Assalamu alaikum and welcome to today's episode of Naxcast. Our guest for today is Muhammad Fakir. He is a business leader, a community leader, as well as an entrepreneur. In 2006, Muhammad Fakir walked into an almost bankrupt shawarma restaurant. Under his leadership, that same shawarma restaurant is largely popular throughout Canada and has even opened up in the US, Europe, and Asia. Now, Muhammad Fakir is more than just an entrepreneur. He is a community leader and has done many humanitarian causes and contributed to humanitarian relief going as far as to visit Syrian refugee camps in person. His recent campaign under Paramount Fine Foods, the Turkey Drive, has raised a monumental amount of money that will be going out to the community to provide relief under these trying times. An inspiration to the Muslim community as well as the Canadian community. It is our pleasure to have a dialogue with this entrepreneur, community leader, and friend. Enjoy today's episode. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited about this. Especially there is nothing better than actually answering questions that people do not dare or don't know how to go and ask about and who to ask. And it's very important. And I always say it's great uh, to have a knowledge, but there is no knowledge worth having ever unless you share it with someone else. And I hope I can be helpful uh, with everything I'll share. It's going to be as it is from my life experience. And I hope I'll encourage a lot of people to jump into entrepreneurship after this. Very excited. So why don't you start right there? Tell us about yourself as an entrepreneur. Who are you? Where do you come from? As an entrepreneur or who I am and where do I come from? These are, could be two questions. Uh, I'm Mohamed Fiki, the founder of Paramount Fine Foods. I have uh, different investment in different businesses as well, but people like to see me as the shawarma guy that started from nothing and that's who I am and I'm proud to be. I've introduced myself as a shawarma guy uh, before in a lot of other events, but most importantly, I always style my speeches by saying my name is Mohamed and I'm Muslim. And I'm proud to be Canadian. So to everyone out there, please continue saying that you're Muslim and be proud of who you are. Most importantly, be proud of where you came from. Don't try to fit in by hiding where you came from. Actually celebrate it. Make it a part of a conversation and why you're different and why you bring a different perspective. Either a business or interview, job interview, partnership, even with friends. Don't hide who you are. Don't follow by saying, I'm Muslim and I'm Lebanese, but I haven't been in Lebanon for too long because that means you're trying to send a message that you're not too Lebanese or you're not too Muslim because you haven't been there for too long. No, be proud of who you are. So I'm Mohamed Fiki and I'm Muslim and I'm proud Canadian, but most importantly, I'm a proud Lebanese. I am who I am because of what I learned in Lebanon from the old people, from my mom, my dad, the older people in my little town in Beirut, Uh, surrounding Beirut and what I learned in Italy and what I, what I learned in Canada. And I started with really nothing. I left uh, Lebanon at the age of 16 and during the civil war and during my life, I've been a refugee several times. Uh, we used to move from town to town and sometimes from outside to Lebanon to Syria to Egypt during the civil war of Lebanon. So I've lived the uncertainty. I've lived in bunkers. And 16 years old, I left to Italy to study 
as a gemologist. So here I am, you're listening to a crazy man that studied gemology, which is study of the gems, university degree of geology, master degree in gemology, and selling shawarma for a living. I don't know if you want to continue from here and on. That shows you that career path could be different than you expect them, and don't get stuck in only what you study for. Keep your eyes open for opportunities. You know, a lot of people, uh, and I know maybe I'm but going outside the subject of no, only no, introducing myself, please. but it's a conversation. A lot of people, you know, ask me or say you're lucky, um, you know, or they see me driving a nice car and they'll say, what do you do for a living with a wink? It's like, are you doing something wrong? Or basically, right? And we actually make ourselves feel better by calling it luck. When we see someone successful, please don't call it lucky. We all get offered opportunities in life. We all get faced with opportunities in life. It's all about us. Do we want to find a million reasons why we don't take on those opportunities? Or we're going to be that person, one person out of the 12. 11 will make excuses why they don't do it. And one person will say, you know what? With all the risk of it, I'm going to try it. And you need to be that person. Success is not luck. Success is a lot of hard work and a lot of buying in. Success is people. What does that mean? You surround yourself with the right people. You serve people in your community. Profit will come. You serve people, you help people, and you hire people better than yourself, and success will come. And most importantly, you have to have the courage to take on those opportunities and not to be afraid to fail. I was never afraid to fail. You know, I took, on, I, I, I took off from a family that lived well, and I started dishwashing in Italy to pay for my study during a civil war in Lebanon. I, 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 I couldn't ask my dad for help. I had to dishwash and work at the university extra hour, hours and, and teach French to some people to get some money in my pocket in Italy to finish my study. And then I met this great person, his name Ernest, Ernesto Franquin. And I went there to get trained by him in the gemology business. And Ernesto did not teach me only jewelry and diamond and gemology. Ernesto taught me a lot about life. He became my first mentor, but he didn't know what mentorship means. But he was my mentor. I didn't know what mentorship means exactly at the time, but he was my mentor. I, the guy is certifiably crazy, but he worked so hard and he taught me most importantly that don't make a sale. Don't make a one-time interaction with anyone. It doesn't matter how big the deal is. Multi-million dollar deal, don't do it. Build relationships. Build long-term relationships. And you can never, ever predict what those could bring you to your life. Right? And in every interaction, don't lose your principle. Don't lose who you are. Because once you lose who you are, it doesn't matter how much money you made. You lost yourself and you'll never enjoy it. We don't need to really... I don't think I want to aim to be more successful. I want to aim to be happy. And there is a huge difference. The only way you could be happy, especially as a Muslim, especially as an entrepreneur, you can only be happy by keeping your 
principles, making sure that you don't change what you learned, what your parent taught you, and what you want your children to be proud about you. And even if you don't have a children, but you have to be proud of what you do. And it cannot be just, it doesn't matter what it takes to be rich. So I, and in Italy, uh, I worked at that jewelry store several years and they had a, and I want to talk a little bit about culture. They had a bad culture in the store. They had a culture a little bit against immigrant. There was going the Iraq war at the time. And uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, the same Ernesto Franquin wouldn't open to a black person or an Arab, the, the, the diamond boutique door, because we, we used to open with a buzzer. And they buzz and will open with a button. And he'll look at the door and say, no, no, I'm not opening. And I'll say, but I'm Arab, I'm Muslim. What do you mean? Oh, they don't have money. They're never going to buy. And we don't want them here. So I, and that's a culture. And to everyone out there, without a culture in any organization, without a culture in any family, without a culture in anything you do in your company, there is no way you can see a proper success. Culture is a king. Culture is a king. It's like the set of attitude that comes from the top down. And this is where millennials lose the faith into a lot of the corporations, into a lot of examples of CEOs out there that they think that they have a culture written, different culture executed. And, and that's, that's a problem. So from Italy, I went back to Beirut. My mom wanted me to marry a Lebanese girl. She was worried. I've been very long in Italy, as you know, the old days. So they got me excited about a new diamond business in Lebanon. I went back there, hearing the same story that Lebanon will be back to the best country and the Switzerland of the Middle East, which is I've heard the last 40 years of my, 45 years of my life, probably. So I went back there for two years, opened a diamond business, partnered with my brother, was the biggest mistake of my life to go back. But great, I learned a lot. There is no such a thing called biggest mistake. It is, it was wrong move, but you know what? I learned that I made sure that Lebanon wasn't my option for me to grow my business. And this is not where I want to spend my life. Not because I don't love it. I love Lebanon. I love its people. But I really wanted to be able to build something and put a plan forward for five years. And if it deviates, it deviates to the better because I'm able to do it. And in Lebanon, you couldn't have a plan that. So uh, then a friend of mine called me and said, why don't you come to Canada? I need you to help me restructure my company. So I came here for a visit, it was cold. I said, no, 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 this is, how do you guys live here, right? And so I went back to Lebanon and then the civil war restarted badly. And I decided to come back here to Canada and I came here. I arrived in Pearson Airport in 1999, $1,200 in my pocket. Uh, there's a gentleman named Mohammed Risk. He's now director, senior director of our food production. He picked me up with a car from Pearson Airport, dropped me off at a basement apartment in Jane and, Jane and Wilson. Really scary area at the time. I think it's still a little bit. And I lived in a basement apartment with two other people. I taught the French to the daughters, to the neighbor's daughter to pay rent. 
And I start walking around to look for a job and people won't hire me because I didn't have Canadian experience. Even diamond don't speak languages. And I certify <laughs> diamond and I sign certification on jewelry and I appraise diamond. That's my job. My job is not stand and sell jewelry. So uh, I walk in with a luggage with a microscope and a tool, tools and do things the right way, but still they won't hire me. So I had to work at a coffee shop. So I worked for Tim Horton. Wow. I poured coffee. I didn't like it because they just launched pork. So, and then I worked for coffee time to learn the language and to learn other things, even the jokes. And, and I learned that every time you talk to someone, you have to talk about the weather, which is, I still don't understand that. Why would we talk so much about the weather here? But I started doing it myself, but I still don't know it. So uh, from there, I walked around the Eaton Center and I walked into a jewelry store. His name is Jules by Kobe. And I kept going every second day there and say, did anyone quit? I would love to work. And I say, Mohammed. Now he found out my name because I said, hey, I'm Mohammed. I'm looking for work. And he kept saying no. So when I found the job at coffee time and they offered me night shift because I wasn't good enough for day shift. So... Um, I went to Jules by Kobe and I offered him to work for free. So he accepted. So I was a good for nothing, for no money, but I wasn't good for to be paid for sure. And that's fine. So you want to talk about life being tough? Yes. <laughs> From being owner of a business in Lebanon, living in a, with a great family that's well off to a poor man in a basement and people not evaluating your work. And they only hire you if you don't get paid. And that's exactly what it is. So I worked there for free. So I used to work there from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Sleep till 8. Take two TTC buses to get to Danforth coffee time. And then work from 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. And go an hour and a half home. And sleep till 7 two and a half hours and then start getting ready and take two buses and one subway to get to the eating center to open the store at 10 a.m. I had to be there at 9 a.m. Incredible. Yeah. Until around three, four months in, I don't know if you guys remember La Swiss, a big watch company. It used to sell Rolex and all very expensive watches. So they came after me and they said, we want you with us. They hired me. Uh, and finally, they were paying me. So I left coffee time, unfortunately. So I got some hours of sleep a little bit available to me. <laughs> but you, getting to know me, I don't know how to sleep. So I had to find something more to do. So I started working very hard. I'll never forget, I started in York Del Mall. I... Uh, Tripled the sales the first six months. I worked as a team. It wasn't about my sales. I used to teach how to close a deal, how to close a sale, how to build a relationship. I used to whisper in salespeople's ear. I used to help them how to close a deal. So every single point of interaction with any of our team, and I wasn't the manager yet, was a success sale. I tripled the sale there. They put me a manager. Then they gave me Scarborough Town Center. 
then Fairview Mall, and then they was close to two years. They offered me a job to be the director on all their locations. This is a lady walked in one day and I was parallel working with this lady and she was looking for a $300,000 watch. Looking at two watches, one around 300,000, one around 160. And my eyes were glowing like this because that would have been the commission that would buy me my first car ever in Canada. And um, I looked at the watch that 330,000 with taxes and everything. Her wrist is big. The watch is tiny. You know how difficult to tell a woman her wrist is big? Don't try it. <laughs> so I'm looking at it and my, the calculator is doing the numbers, how I'm going to buy the car. And on the other side, Ernesto's voice, what he taught me about building long-term relationship. And basically what happened, I told her that the watch is wrong for her. And she needs to buy the, less, the watch with less money. So I preferred her interest over mine to build a long-term relationship. And that's very ethical, especially in sales. Absolutely. And bottom line, what happened? She bought the watch. I convinced her to buy her husband a watch because she made a joke. She said, I don't know how I'm going to tell my husband I bought that watch. I said, imagine if you bought the other one and the damage is one. Why don't you buy him a watch? Buy him a watch. So you'll buy his silence. It's, Right. And they, they were in business together. It's not like it was his money or anything. Yeah. But, you know, just a conversation, husband and wife. So I sold her another watch. They didn't get the combined deal, same amount. You know, I didn't buy my car with that same commission. I ended up buying a car. Two months in, when La Suisse was looking at me to become basically the boss of the whole thing, she came back and she said, I want to work with you. The way you were wow. honest with me. So you want to hear about you doing the right thing and coming back and falls yeah, for yeah. you? So I said, look, if I'm coming with you, you have a smaller company. She had two jewelry diamond stores. She never told me, but she was there to buy a Rolex. I said, I, I want partnership. He said, no, I won't give you a partnership. You can, I said, no, I won't move from here. This is a big company. This is a secure company, right? And to everyone that think it's a secure company is better, Yes, it is better, but it's so secure that it's going to wait for you until you go. Try your business. Try to become your own entrepreneurship, and that job will always wait for you. So don't get, don't get stuck in a dead job that you don't like. Go take your chances. Those companies will always rehire you. So the bottom line and very important thing happened is that she agreed. She gave me 25% of sweat equity and very little money as salary. And that was the first time I ever owned anything in Canada just for, by being honest and putting her into respect. So know, that's the story before Paramount. Yes, go ahead. No, no, what you just told me is very reminiscent of a lot of things that business owners and just any thought leader in marketing says. Your word should mean something because you know, like you mentioned that it was because of your genuine intent. You spoke a bit at the beginning about how it's important to embrace your values not um, not try to pander to a different society while losing yourself just to become successful. Many things that you spoke about is just, it's very fascinating to talk about, you know, 
how doing the right thing can reward you. So I just found that very fascinating. I just have to say. Well, absolutely, and and most importantly, it gives you and maintain that strength. You know, when you're caught doing something wrong, the worst thing is when you caught between you and you. If you know that you've done something wrong to deserve success, you never celebrate that success properly, right? So I have several couple friends from our community, from the Muslim community, that during their life they have done a couple things, and. I think one of them was a speaker uh, at Max, and and they've done a couple of things that they did not fit the Muslim community's values, and they lived with it until they were able to go talk to their parents and be honest about it. You're never going to celebrate that money. You're never going to celebrate your success unless you have nothing that you're not proud of. You have to be proud of every single penny you make. And beside the religion part, it's a proven your legs get slower in running after even money and success because you're not proud of yourself, and you're so strong, courageous. You're yourself and more. You actually grow within the years as long as what's behind you is something you're always proud of. So even the words, even being honest, even putting people's interest because it's the right thing to do, despite the fact that could be not your best interest. You never know, because things comes around and end up being the right thing for you because you did the right thing, and that's important. So fast forward, I got I dabbled in a couple other businesses when I start making a little bit money in that jewelry store. She got sick a little bit. She helped me buy two out of the location. I made them five at the time. They were two. We grew to five. When she wanted to get out of the business, I bought two. She waited for me to pay her very slowly. Very, very slowly, she was. She helped me a lot, and this is the time where I flew to Switzerland, walked to the airport of Geneva, and I saw the Swatch kiosk right at the airport. I know you guys all see Swatch kiosks around the malls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every single one of them I built. Wow. I own the Swatch for Canada, so I own the rights for all the Swatch kiosks. Every single Swatch kiosk you see was mine. I saw the idea at the airport. I ran after them, and I got it for Canada. And I had the rights for all Canada. I opened every single one, and they closed every single one after me. We had a dispute. Alhamdulillah, I won, and I got paid my biggest money at the time, my biggest money in life. Within that dispute, and then I was dabbling. After that, I I sold it to them. They had to buy me out. I sold it to them, and I dabbled in a couple houses, helping some friends that they ran out of money. They were renovating homes. We did a lot, very good money. I built a home, multi-million-dollar home that was leaking on top of the owner's head as soon as I sold it because that was my first house I ever built. It was a mess. Never knew how to build homes, right? But again, opportunity come your way. If you're courageous enough, you take them on, and from there. The same owner that the water leaked on top of his head partnered with me, and together we built around 30 homes in Mississauga, one after the other, all wow. multi-million, right? And this is when I got a small ad on a newspaper saying that a guy that doesn't know how to build homes got an award for building a nice home. Great. My wife called me one night and she sent me to get her a kilo of baklava. I walked to this place called Pema. 
beside the police station, more suited for, you know, a repair shop, you know, tow truck shop, than a bakery and a restaurant. I walk into Paramount, was nothing Paramount about it. The handle of the door were falling off. White wall, white walls, orange doors, no, no decor whatsoever, but the, apparently the baklava was famous. I walked in, the owner recognized me from that article. And I said, can I buy a kilo baklava, please? And he said, yes. You're the guy that built the house. I saw you. I said, yes. And he said, would you lend me $250,000? I was like, no, I just want baklava. I'm here for a kilo baklava. I don't know why would I lend you that money. He said, you know, me and 15 families that we just immigrated here, we're going to be deported if no one will help me by Thursday. So this is when it really hit me hard. I handed him my card. It's one of those things. You had someone in your card, yeah. like half hoping that he doesn't call you because you don't know what he wants from you. The other quarter, 15%, you want him to lose it so you're not embarrassed or pushed into things. But your heart is still attached to it that you don't want to leave him alone. But when I got to my car, this is when it hits me. And to everyone out there, making a difference in life comes as a surprise. So it doesn't come in a way that you have time to prepare yourself. So you need, if you haven't figured who you want to be in life, you need to think now, this moment, that you're hearing me speaking, ask yourself, who do I want to be? Am I going to be a stand-up person or not? Am I going to be that person that wants to make a difference or you want to keep your head down and worry about only you? And you need to decide now because making a difference in life, one, it hurts. A lot of time it hurts. It has consequences sometimes that hurts your pocket or it could get you attacked. Like when I helped Sufi downtown, right? I got attacks yeah. from the white supremacists, right? So you need to decide now who you want to be in life and if you want to be that person that is happy to make a difference. Because making a difference is what makes me happy. It's not my money. It's not my success. You have to find out what makes you happy. This is the most important word. I can tell you stories of stories of a friend that has more than 100, 200 million dollars that they're not happy. So yeah, making money is great. Driving a nice car is amazing. Having three, four houses is great, but doesn't equal happiness. You have to have, you have to find your meaning in life. And when you find your meaning, you need to go after it, right? So I, I got to the car and it hit me and I said, the Italian lady gave me so much opportunity and time to pay those stores. And then a swatch came and then that other person came. These are Canadians that gave me opportunity. Am I gonna help these people? And I'm gonna say, no, I made it. I'm not gonna look at people like they're like me in the same position. So I decided to help him. I called him. He came, saw him, spoke together, agreed. He said that he doesn't want to stay. He wanted to go to Dubai. Great person, great family. He said, I'll hand you the business. I said, I know nothing about it. Don't hand me the business. We'll hand it to the staff, but you're going to stay, help them. Then we'll pick some manager. As long as it breaks even, I'm okay. He couldn't take it. I helped him. He couldn't take the pressure of banks and government. I settled the banks. I settled the government. And he wanted to leave. And I found myself in, that was in 2006. 
Today, Paramount is over 83, location, 83 locations worldwide. We operate in seven countries. We just added three brands during the pandemic, and we will get to that. How do you deal with tough times? You run backward or you move forward? Paramount moved forward, added three brands in five months. We moved forward. We spent money. We invested in our company. We didn't run backward. We didn't let the corona attack us. We attacked corona in business. And that's our solution. And we didn't change our principle of having a DNA of helping the community. And that's my story today. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm starting an immigrant entrepreneur again because every day the volatility of everything happening. But there's nothing I'm prouder of the team and the community that I surrounded, how much community building we've done in Paramount. And am I happy? I'm very happy. Because for me, the ROI in life, the return on investment is are you happy question. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I was even this little part of showing a great example of an immigrant, of a Muslim, of someone that came poor and was able to make it. And to prove again that Canada is a country of hope and that opportunity is available to all of us if we go after it. I'm so happy, if I, even if I added 0.5% to the image of a Muslim, of being a good example, because we need to celebrate more good success stories in our country, and especially Muslim success story. So our children are proud to be Muslim and they're ready to be to shouted from the rooftop. I hope. That gave you my crazy life story from being one day a shawarma guy, once one day selling diamond, one day. No, honestly, there was an article published in 2015 which said, and I quote, in 42 years, the Lebanon native has accomplished things worthy of a Hollywood story or at least a Drake anthem. And lo and behold, in 2020, you've been published as one of the top 50 influential Canadians in the same space as Drake and even two Toronto Raptors. So all I can say is, mashallah, that was an amazing story. I think you really, you know, you took it at the root of it, which is there's opportunities and you need to take them because the opportunities are there. And if you're not open to them, how are you going to propel forward? How are you going to move forward? And it's, it's lateral, right? Like you were in different industries before you came to the Baklava store, the famous story, which, uh, you know, when you said it, I was listening to it, but hearing it firsthand, it was really incredible. There are some things you said, which as a new Canadian myself, um, I know I actually grew up in Dubai. I've been here for two years. It was definitely very inspiring to think that you can make it in a new market all you got to do is have the versatility and the motivation. You work for free. You, you know, you change your situation so many times across the globe. I'd like to ask you a question about entrepreneurship. You know, as you mentioned, you can't really, it will come to you in a way, even though you should be ready for it. But I must ask, there are so many people who underestimate what it takes to be an entrepreneur and I wonder if you'd be willing to share, like, what are some tells or signals that maybe you should consider entrepreneurship if someone is experiencing these signals? 
Well, it's very simple. A lot of people work with the government and they keep calling me and say, I feel I can do more. I feel I want to do more, right? And a lot of people, you know, it's one thing is understanding if you're happy. You know, a lot of answers sits in what's winning for you and what's being happy for you. And if you can answer those questions without worrying who's listening and what you said, because a lot of time we change what we want to share with people. And the best conversation you can have is between you and you. And has to be honest to the extreme to even when you made a mistake, to even when you did the wrong thing. It's the only conversation you can have is with you. First, start that. And once you really realize, understood, admitted what you really want and what's winning for you, what makes you happy, and then everything, you'll plan it, but the wind will take you. The wind will take your boat exactly there because it's 10% fact and 90% attitude. When you find those 10% fact and understand that this is not going to make me happy, this is what's happiness, your attitude will change and the 90% will win over the 10%. We all going to be faced with the problems in life. 10% fact, there is a problem. 90% attitude, how you dealt with the problem. How you were faced with the problem. How did you spend your day with the problem? So you'll feel it. A lot of people call me and say, I want to do more. And I want to do more. You know that hungry feeling every morning that I can do more. What else I can do? Yeah. Right? Or, or, I, or, or this is not enough. Or, and again, a lot of people have great ideas and they take them with them to the grave. They do nothing with them because they're always looking for the perfect, perfect, so perfect opportunity. It's never going to be perfect. It has to be not perfect. It has to, otherwise you're gonna be with, it's gonna be full, like really paralysis by analysis and you get nothing. You get paralyzed because you're analyzing so much. And then you end up doing nothing and the opportunity pass you. So you feel it. You feel that hunger. You feel that you're thirsty for more. You feel like, hey, I can do that too and more. And don't stop looking for the unique opportunity. I'm selling Friday chicken today. I launched a crispo by Paramount of Friday chicken. Because I saw the that. Data, really tasty. Yeah, the data says Friday chicken wasn't affected by the pandemic. And if I have lemon, why don't I make lemonade in five colors? I have kitchens, I have Paramount, I'm paying rent, I'm paying staff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change the culture of my company and lay off the staff in the pandemic. I'm gonna hire more. People are the most important asset any business can have. I'm not gonna tell them. I keep telling them you're my family for the last 12 years. Then as soon as the pandemic hit, I'll say, sorry, family, I'm going to fire my sons. It doesn't work that way. If they were real family, you don't lay them off. You find a way to keep them and hire more. So we launched Crispo. We launched Massimo. We launched Box. And 80% of them inside Paramount. So we don't lay off our staff and we can add top sales to the same expense. Right? Don't wait for the perfect opportunity. You're going to tell me that I've never heard of Popeye's, so I was thinking I'm going to launch Crispo and no one else have it? Of course I know Popeye's. I was born knowing KFC and Popeye's. I know there is 50 other people doing a chicken, but I believed in us, us as a community that we're going to support it. And I believed in my team. And I focused on people. I can't beg you enough and mentor you enough 
to put people first in your life. Put people first, put your family first, put your employees first, put the people of your community first, put the people of your Muslim community first, put the people of Canada first. When you put the people first, you'll win. And if you don't win money, you'll be happy. You'll always be proud of you. Put people first. I put my people first and I launched a three brand. Spent over a million dollars to launch the three brand. Instead of taking me 12 years to launch Paramount, it took me five months to launch a three brand. But who did it? Me? No, I'm the least smart in my company. The people of Paramount did it. The people that believe that this guy is fighting for us, he wants our jobs to stay. He doesn't want to cut salaries. I said one condition, we're going to have to launch a three brand. We're going to have to port up sales to the same expense pool. I'm happy to tell you with that move and the buy-in of the team, buying in, because they believe that, yes, we shouldn't let, let go our server. We shouldn't let, you know what my server doing now? They learned how to fry chicken and now they're in the kitchen frying chicken. Their server, they worked at hotels as servers, but they saw a company that loved them. They had to modify their job description, right? Entrepreneurs don't give up. So don't give up on your opportunity and don't bury your thirst. And don't take with you your great idea to the grave. The world and our children needs it, needs your great idea. Go to the world and try it. And don't worry about you being a lawyer in a great law firm. And don't worry about you being a great executive CEO in an accounting firm. Those jobs will always be there for you. Go out and do your, get your opportunity. Try it, take your chance. And if you came back to that job, you'll come back much higher executive. There is nothing like learning to start a company and take it to the next level. There is no experience like it. From, yeah, there is a stressful night. Yes, there is morning you go in the shower, you think you're gonna be bankrupted, you leave the shower and you found a solution. Yes, there is a lot of sleepless night, of course, but that's part of the growing pain. That's part of growing pain. Please hear me. When somebody shout at me because I'm a Muslim and he's racist, me, going through that and not walking away, standing my ground is part of the growing pain for the community. The stress that you feel in business and the stress that you feel and this fear of failing is part of you growing. Don't stop yourself from becoming taller in life. Let it be. You build and you suffer your way to success. You suffer your way. You're gonna, like the alchemist said, you're going to have to fall seven times before you stand up once. So every time you fail, you're getting closer to you standing up. Failing forward, right? Yes. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask a question, if you can. No, you're not allowed. Uh, oh, Just no. <laughs> there goes all my facts. <laughs> but no, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for, um, for really exploring these subjects and inspiring people. I feel that a lot of people hear what you just said. I know I'm, I'm a victim of paralysis by analysis. And I'm sure there's so many young Muslims, young Canadians, many people who just, it's, it's not easy. You know, like you, I think people, you, you know, you cannot minimize how hard it is to get out there, be uncertain, not have like the security of like a stable job where you're getting a salary every single month or bi-weekly. It's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily a skill, but it's the attitude, 90% attitude, 10% fact. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. You just said and you don't realize that it's not easy. Yeah, it is easy. Well, you, if you want to get to the other side, the only thing that will not get you to the other side is a safe job. <laughs> Think about it. That makes sense. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. spend 80% of your week at a safe job and you're only going to have time after 6 p.m., yeah, build a business overnight. But don't tell me that that job is stopping you because that means, look, I operate a company with love, but tough love. We have a policy, it's called 100%-100. There is a famous video, it's called 100-0. Please Google it. Very, very old video. Okay? 100% accountability, zero excuses. Zero excuses. So anything you say, and 90% of what people say, why they don't do anything, it doesn't matter what that thing is, is excuses. So if you're telling me the 10 to 5 a job, is it stopping you from sleeping four hours like an entrepreneur that has multi internationally brand and multi different faceted businesses and I'm happy and a smiling 21 hours, nothing hurt except my job, right? And you're telling me at nine to five a job is gonna stop you from building your dream. It's full of excuses, you're just not ready. Your knees are not strong enough for you to take your chance. Get out and do the scary thing. Deal with the elephant in the room. Get out and do it. We need you. As a Muslims, we need you to do it. As a human, as Canadian, for the country, for the people of your age, for you, you need to do it. Otherwise, you're going to live the rest of your life say, I should have tried. I do want to, I just, I just want to talk about one thing you said, though, because you said something, and I think this is what differentiates you and your vision, your organization, from so many mom and pop stores. So many new entrepreneurs that start businesses, but then, you know, eventually they sell it off or whatever it is. You said something that really stuck, which is put your people first. And more than that, I want to build on that and say, you know, you are very involved in the community and the same passion that you take your business. You don't just keep it to, you know, your ecosystem or organization. You're out there. You're, you're at the front face. You have, I know you're on social media, all this talking about things and initiatives such as the Turkey Dragon got. Now you raised about $50,000. Know you do this by putting your face to a lot of projects so that people can recognize how important it is to get out there. I want you to unpack that a bit. What is the process you go through when you, when you decide, I want to do something for the community and not just that, I want to get everyone else involved as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I love it how we became everything we think it has a process. And I'm here to tell you all, don't look for the perfect process, okay? And you said something and allow me, right? A lot of people started, I didn't invent shawarma, just to let you know. And I know you all know that. <laughs> I'm just saying, taking something that everyone has sold and believe that you can do it differently is entrepreneurship. And I want you all to not look for an opportunity don't look for something different and better, uh, a new idea different than Uber. You could make Uber better, I'm saying. Right? So don't wait for this, oh, my God, you know, light that's going to hit you and you're going to become a Spider-Man tomorrow and find an idea no one ever thought about. No. You could take a business that exists and make it completely different, present it different. And the best award for an entrepreneur is when somebody buy your company. When somebody cut a $100 million check for your company, 
it's the only real proof of success that someone actually evaluated your company for that much. So yeah, build your company and sell them. You know what I do for a living? I sell companies. I've sold seven companies so far. Okay? So don't be afraid to sell your companies. And the last part. <laughs> it's funny that people actually think it's a paramount strategy to give back to the community. It's the strategy of my mom. I grew up in a house. There was a famous brand, shoe brand, like here, Aldo, it called, and I'm sure here it used to be Bata, B-A-T-A, right? Yeah. So my mom, I grew up in a house when I was seven. My mom used to get a Bata shoe box, wrap it with an ugly white paper and write on it Sadaka. So she used to give us $5 to go to school, our pocket money for the sandwich and the drink. And she used to give us $5.25. And on the way out of the house, we need to drop the 25 in the Sadaka box. So I am wired and I'm still wired. And to everyone's gonna listen to this that works for KPMG, Deloitte, all this beautiful, amazing company that they're much more successful than mine and they have accomplished much more than me. They'll never actually believe in what I'm gonna say. Or they do. But I can prove it to you in my personal life. My mom wired me that the only way I'm gonna be safe, the only way I'm gonna be blessed, the only way I'm gonna be protected, and the only way that my money will multiply is by giving my money, not keeping it. So I'm wired that way. And so is Paramount. Paramount, part of the DNA, that the only way we're gonna be successful that when we, meet, we need money, we give it. Now we keep it. Right? Sadaqah has to That's, hurt them. Yeah, of course. Right? Sadaqah has to hurt a little bit. It hurts your pocket. Yes, it does. So if somebody has multi-billion and gives 1,000, it is Sadaqah. But the real, real Sadaqah, if you want it multiply and come back to you, right? My mom always said, Helping the community and doing sadaqah is like an umbrella. It protects you from rain and from the sun. And it pushes away anything bad coming your way. So let me explain to you in business terms so we can make sense to our friends that talks numbers and they now feel an older man sitting in front of them and telling them. So the studies shows paramount culture is based and, and, and I'll tell you what the study show after I tell you what our culture in Piemont shows. Love, tough love, 100 slash zero, 100% accountability, zero excuses, and four Ps. Number one P is our people. People come first. Not the customer come first. To the CEO, not the customer come first. I'm gonna repeat it. To CEOs, customer do not come first. 
profit don't come first. Your people come first. When you look after your people, your people will look after the customer. And we all win. The first P is people. In Paramount, we put people first. The second P, purpose. The third P, planet. And the fourth P is profit. And when you do one, two, and three, the fourth will come alone. People, without your people, you're no one. Your people are your biggest asset. A lot of money out there. A lot of money in firms that are looking for investment today. But what they're missing, ideas, skills. Skills mean people. And the only way you can get the buy-in of people is by having purpose in your business. When they see you worrying about the community and the homeless and the needy, everyone wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. And there is nothing bigger than us except our community, the Muslim community, our Canadian community, our larger community. You know the IKEA syndrome? You know why do you buy your table from IKEA and they ask you to put the screws together and you put them wrong and you make a mess out of it, but you love it because the feel is your art piece. You were part of building it. And the only way you can get the buy-in of your team by making them be part of building the community with you. You can't go celebrate alone. Paramount cooks, the team of Paramount cooks for the homeless every second weekend, 500 meals. We all go together, executive, dishwasher, manager of rotation. We rotate them in different places. We come together, we show them that they are building the community with us, they buy in, and they believe more in the business. It makes them proud when they bring the conversation on the kitchen table in front of their children. When we're seen out there, and a lot of people say, oh, Muhammad does, does Baraka and Sadaka, but why does he go on TV and on video to share, to share it? Because we need to change the face of the community. We need to show more faces. We need to tell our story, not let somebody else tell our story. When the France attack, when Macron attacked, he tried to tell our story. We went up and we told our story. We need to tell more of good stories about this community. Not be shy. It's not about showing off. It's about balancing our stories to be told by us, not them telling us our story. Because if you don't tell your story, someone else will. And 99% they're going to get it wrong. So that's my point. And let me tell you about doing something good to the community. The feeling when you're walking out of the place after you've done something good to the community, your bonding between you and your team, and I'm going to show it to you by number. It's not only the right thing to do. It's actually the profitable thing to do. I ask so many people. I do a lot of public opinion. We did a public opinion if people want a new fried chicken concept, they said yes. We did a public opinion if people want to say halal, but original Italian pizza, gourmet, they said yes. I base things on sharing people's opinion and bringing better ideas than mine. Smarter people than I am. Knowing what you don't know is very important. When you know what you don't know, then you get people to tell you what you don't know. You get the expert. Hire the best in the world. But more important than hiring, listen to them. Listen to them. 
a lot of people hire great people, but they don't listen to them. They hire them just to say that they're beside us. It helps them continue with the wrong that they're doing. So that's why we put it out there. And to everyone out there, don't be shy to market what you're doing. We need you to market your success. So our children are prouder Muslims. And us as immigrants, forget only the Muslim part is so important, but as well as immigrant in Canada, because we're going to continue our push to be part of every single boardroom, all the way to the biggest job in the land, which is the prime minister's office. So that's why it's very important. And the last thing, when we did a public opinion, and without a public opinion, when I go around, people say, oh my God, you're the owner of Pema. I say, yeah. Beside the fact I love eating at your place, but what you do for the community, you and your team, oh my God, that made me proud. Doesn't make me proud that I'm 85 location. Doesn't make me proud we're above $100 million sale. It makes me proud that we're known for a legacy of doing good. And that's the legacy that makes me proud. Not the legacy how much money I have. So, and that's what makes me happy. And that's why. So people support your business. I was with uh, Senator Ratna on a panel and she said, are you saying people actually support your business because of what you do to the community? Of course it is. And then she turned and she said, you're right, Mohammed. We used to buy once a month from Paramount. Now we buy once a week because we want to support businesses that does good for the community. So to everyone out there that think charity is losing money, charity doubles your money and brings you more support and loyal customer. So even if you're looking for the most profitable business plan, give back to the community. Give back to the community, right? And that comes back multiplied. And most importantly, it comes back sometime when you need it the most. When you need it the most. And the best exercise for your heart is helping others. The best exercise for your heart is helping others. That's why in PMO, we're so proud that every single one of us, we just launched a campaign this morning. You buy $50 worth of food from Paramount, Crispo or Massimo combined, and we'll donate a meal to a family on your behalf. Now, not only we're donating, we're making you buy our food so we can donate on your behalf because we believe our community needs the blessing. And we need to come together. We're in it together. How are we in it together? We're only in it together if you have put your money where your mouth is and help someone else. And what else beside the holiday season when no one is able to celebrate? So let's do it. Let's do it now. Go to my campaign, donate to the turkey drive. Buy fried chicken or shawarma and I'll donate on your behalf. Let's come together again. And yesterday somebody put a comment. You know, I don't like the shawarma and Harry Mills. I'm going to eat at this other place, just thinking that he's upsetting me. I said, thank you very much. I actually was planning to offer you a free meal, but I actually want to send you to eat at the other place because I heard they're struggling and they're a small business and they're from our community. So please support them and don't support me. We're good. But after the pandemic, come back and I'm going to make you happy. But for now, go support the other business in my community. Right? We need to change the way we think. If Corona is going to help us to be anything, it should be kinder and more closer. And that's what I think. I think um, you've definitely covered 
so many things and wonderful avenues. We'll all change our way of thinking. So thank you for your time. Uh, I believe we are at the end of our podcast, but I'll just turn it over for anything you'd want to add to the lasting talk to our audience, to maybe other movers in Canada, the hospitality industry, whatever you think is appropriate. I mean, to everyone out there, I know you're feeling stress. And I know that this has been a very, very tough year. But let me tell you this very short story. I used to live in a bunker for days with my family in the Civil War. And we used to come upstairs. I never forget that darkest stairs up from the bunker. And my dad is holding me, like holding my hand. I'm walking beside him and I'm looking at him. And he used to smile and big smile from the heart coming the smile. You can see it and I say, dad, we're coming out of bunker. <laughs> Why are you smiling? He used to say, the light will come and another great will come. We'll greet it together. We will build our country and we'll hire its people. You always have to believe in our country and how beautiful the people of this country and how good, how many good things they deserve. And we all need to stay positive. And to everyone out there, I'm telling you the light will come and a great day will come. And we'll greet it together for sure. Always, always be proud of being Muslim. Always be proud of who you are, where you came from. Don't change your name to fit in. You don't fit in by changing your name. You only fit in by being yourself. Don't hide your accent and don't lower your voice. I have a heavy accent and I want to keep it. It starts a lot of conversations and it opens up opportunity to people that they think they don't have one. You are able to make a big difference and bring a change, a change that is well needed. Canada is a place of hope for everyone. We need to have the courage to face it. We have some challenges. The last four years of Trump has given us a lot of challenges. Don't walk away from the people and the hater. Stand your ground. There'll come a time where we have to stand up against hate. Don't stop your finger from tweeting when you see unfairness to our community. Just because you're afraid to be attacked, making a difference has pain. It hurts, but it's again a growing. Thank you very much for this. Thank you very much for what Max does for this community. Max is an example of how we all need to elevate the story of the Muslim community in Canada and the immigrant community in Canada. And Max has done a great job. And I hope all of us, inshallah, will do the same job and a great job to elevate the image. Because I want to remind you, that we were promised that we would be very proud to be Muslim. We were promised in the Quran that we will be proud. We will always be proud. Allah will always give us the reason to be proud to be Muslim. And I'm, the proudest thing I have, I think, is to be Muslim. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, Muhammad. Thank you.